Hey everyone, you're listening to the Embrace the Messy podcast with Shannon Schinkel. I'm a high school educator, challenge seeker, lifelong learner, and embracer of all things messy. I find inspiration from individuals who are passionate about learning and embracing change. Join me as I share my experiences and interview people who will inspire you to embrace the messy too. Let's go. Twenty-first century learning. I'm sure you've heard about it. It's all the rage in education. Some might even call it the latest catchphrase or gimmick in education. We must prepare our students, and they need twenty-first century skills to do so. The naysayers suggest it is the latest fad, and that we are giving up traditional learning, like memorization and tests, with reckless abandon in favor of making students more tech-savvy. Yes. We want students to know how to use technology, but alongside the greater emphasis on tech are also the 20, other 21st century skills of critical thinking, collaboration, creativity, communication, and global awareness. These aren't novel or new. They're just being more greatly emphasized because industries, companies, want their employees to have a solid foundation in these skills. But I've also been hearing that, you know, applying these skills into our education system, you know, I've been hearing from educators, 21st century skills like critical thinking, collaboration, creativity, communication, and global awareness are easier to incorporate in some classes than others. So it's like easier in fine arts and English language arts, but it's not so easy in things like the sciences, maths, social studies, languages, PhD, and certain electives because there is so much content to get through. That's a myth. Another one, my students can't come up with their own creative ways to show their learning. Translation, perhaps, I've tried this and it didn't work, or I don't wanna try this because it's more work. It's another myth. How about tests are important and in life you need to take tests, so that's why we need to take tests in this class, huh? Interesting. Not including some of those online tests like what is your Enneagram number or which Barbie are you? I think the last test I took since getting my degree was none. So can we just stop suggesting that this is a reason to give tests, please? Now, I'm not suggesting that we should abandon all tests. Tests are one way we can assess learning, but it doesn't have to be and shouldn't be the only way. Here's the thing. I think the idea of changing long-held practices in the name of 21st century learning is what is scary for educators. And some will hold on for dear life to what they believe is tried and true out of fear. But we reap what we sow. If we want students to be more creative, better thinkers, outgoing collaborators, savvy communicators, and responsive to what's going on in the world, we must intentionally practice these skills with students. We must bring them to the forefront. Students must practice the skills, not every so often, but all the time, consistently. Use the content as the vehicle by which students learn how to perform these skills proficiently. 
one-off situations like a, a once-in-a-semester group project so we can return to the old notes, assignments, test, lather, rinse, and repeat format simply won't cut it now. It means embracing the messiness of putting these skills at the forefront. It means being prepared to get uncomfortable. I just finished listening to Todd Whitaker's book, What Great Teachers Do Differently. Uh, Whitaker is a professor of educational leadership at the University of Missouri and emeritus professor at Indiana State University. And he's spent his life pursuing his love of education by researching and studying effective teachers and principals. And in What Great Teachers Do Differently, Whitaker suggests that great teachers put students, not themselves, first. So according to Whitaker, instead of considering what will be best or easier for me, the teacher, which I know can be a habit and I know I've been there where it's the same thing I'm going to do over and over and over again because it's easiest, I really need to ask what's in the best interest of my students. And if it sounds messy, it is. And 21st century skills are in the best interest of students. So how does one intentionally give students opportunities to critically think, collaborate, create, and show global awareness while staying true to the demands of the curriculum? Well, I've got two ways I'm going to share with you. The first is of my own design, but to be fair, this process is a result of years of being exposed to and inspired by numerous inventive educators. So big shout out to my PLN. So here's the process. Question, list, share, organize, introduce, create, and reflect. What do those mean? So first you want to consider what unit or topic are you presenting? So maybe it's something small, maybe it's a big unit, doesn't matter. But the first step is to pose a question connected to the unit or topic in which students can access prior knowledge. That gets them critically thinking and connecting and seeing how what's they actually get to relate to whatever you're going to be working on. So that's question. Then you've got list. Ask students to answer the question, listing all of their ideas. Then you don't stop there, then you move on to share. Ask students to share their lists with classmates. Get together, share with a partner, share with a small group, share with a table group, share with an elbow buddy. And then organize. Have students take their lists, and these lists can be what has been gathered by the entire group or by themselves, organize or sort these ideas in some ways. That's a processing skill. That can be things like grouping, Compare and contrast, examine, sequence, okay? Then introduce the new material. See how far that was down the list? Then you introduce the new material. That's when you might get kids to actually start taking notes uh, about, about a topic, whatever the topic it is. And now ask students to create. Ask them to creatively show their understanding of the new learning facilitate the process and interject and clarify when appropriate because you want to make sure while they're creating something novel and unique that they actually are correctly doing so. Okay. Now in terms of the create part, and this is a real scary part I think for educators, I have actually created a, a really long list of potential ideas you can do use to create. Okay. And that's going to be as part of the show notes, right? 
then the final, final step is where students reflect in order to assess. Reflect to assess. So that's when you ask students to reflect on their learning. And it's actually through this reflection that their learning is evaluated. So that whole process, question list, share, organize, introduce, and create is them learning this new material through these 21st century skills. And then I'm going to get them to reflect and then I'll be able to see what they know. That's so different than starting with the notes, right? Giving kids to do an assignment and then maybe giving them a quiz or a test. Okay. So I want to share with you an idea of how this might look in a class. I'm going to use a foods class. So let's say I'm teaching a foods class and I have decided I'm going to spend about five to seven class periods on kitchen safety. Okay. So it's like a little mini unit on kitchen safety, right? I would begin with a question that allows students to access their prior knowledge, right? So it might be something like, what are some kitchen safety do's and don'ts you already know? After the students list, right, that was number two, what they already know, I would ask them to form small groups to share, discuss, and combine their lists. I love getting kids to do this because some kids might only have one thing on their list and other kid might have 10, right? And they can actually combine their lists because they, they might not be able to brainstorm readily, right? All of these things take practice, okay? So they share and combine their lists. And then sometimes you can move from singletons to duos to whole groups, right? And then they have this enormous lists. Then I would get those groups to go around and sort their ideas. That's organize into one of several categories I've already made in advance, Okay, so I might have these big posters up all around the room that said one says stovetop safety, another one says oven safety, another says knife safety, another says cleaning safety, and another says other safety concerns, right? Where it doesn't fit in one of those other ones. So then those groups would go around and figure out where did everything on their list go into those headings, right? Now, here's the thing. They might, some of these ideas might actually be wrong, okay? And some might be right, Okay. That's where we're now going to go into the introducing the new learning. That's where now the teacher is actually teaching the students the material about kitchen safety to see, you know, to get them to understand this is what you need to know. So that's when I might actually get them to take some notes. Might even watch a little video to see what they, you know, to actually explain kitchen safety. Then I would encourage students to add the new information learned, right, to their original lists, and then return to those categories, those poster papers, to, you know, double tap on what is solid, what is correct, and cross out and remove what is incorrect. So they actually get to analyze and realize, oh, I was taught that this is kitchen safety, but I'm wrong. And, oh, I understand now why this new thing is kitchen safety, right? Right? All of this thinking and organizing that they have to do. And then, of course, now to fully instill the learning, right? Then I would get students to come up with creative ways to show their learning, okay? Kitchen safety, not exactly an exciting unit. So why not ask students to create posters or commercials about kitchen safety? The idea being, how can you make kitchen safety appealing? They can do this in groups, they can do this, they can do it on their own. 
when would they use kitchen safety aptitude even outside the classroom might be something that I, I get them to incorporate in. Like, this is important. It's not like they're trying to actually sell kitchen safety to people who aren't in the class. Once these little projects are finished, they share with their peers, celebrate their learning. And then, then to find out what students have learned from that week, you know, five to seven days of, you know, actively engaging in this process, I would ask students to reflect on a single question. What is kitchen safety and why is it important? And I would just get them to brainstorm. I don't have to create this cumbersome test with like 25 questions. You know, I don't have to do anything like that. Just get them to see what they know. And it's through that reflection that I'm going to find out what they know and can do. And that's when I would maybe use a proficiency scale, right, to determine where they're at. You know, do they have a solid understanding? Do they have a complete understanding? They would be proficient, right? If they have a sophisticated understanding, they would be extending. And of course, that assessment isn't forever. I'm going to use that, though, as a benchmark. After the unit, this is where I can see where you're at. And then later on, as they're actually applying kitchen safety techniques while they're actually cooking, then I'm going to be able to see what they actually, what they know and can do. That's cool. Doesn't that sound more interesting? <laughs> like way more interesting than just notes, assignment, test, right? We can actually engage the students in the process. And what I love about this is it's student-centered. How much work did I have to do as the teacher? I had to come up with the question. I started with the question, right? Right? I, I made up those categories on poster paper not hard work. The kids did all the rest. The kids did all the rest, right? And, and I think that's, that's the key here, right? It isn't more work. It's actually going to wind up being less work and we get to facilitate it all in real time and assess them all in real time, way less marking because you're not marking every single thing you're facilitating and making sure they actually understand what they're doing. So like I said, I have created, and I've created this, a poster, that I'm going to put in the show notes and there'll be a Dropbox links, Dropbox links link in the show notes where you can actually see this step, this process, this seven step process. Okay. And there'll also be uh, a QR code to a list of all the different kind of creative activities that you can do at, with, at your, at your discretion. Right. So again, super, super engaging 21st century learning. Okay. And you know what? It'll work for all classes and all courses. Try it out. And in fact, you know, try it out and let me know how it goes. Seriously, try it out. You know, you can be thinking about this, you know, something you can start, you can do tomorrow. Shoot me an email at embracethemessypodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear your stories. All right. And if I get enough stories about using this format you know, maybe I will do a solo episode just sharing all everybody's stories and it'll be like this wonderful active prody pod podcast. Now, another way teachers, I promise two, right, can use 21st century skills in their classes is through what's called the TQE method. But I won't explain it right now in here. I'm going to let Marissa Thompson, a.k.a the TQE queen show you all the benefits 
of using TQE in your classroom because we had an amazing conversation a couple of months ago. Marissa is an English teacher and consultant in California who had a moment in her teaching career when she actually wanted to quit because she felt she and the system were failing kids, flipped her classroom and teaching style on their heads, believing there had to be another way. And listen, folks, if you are not an English teacher and are thinking, pause, this is not the episode for me, you will soon discover that what Marissa and I share in our conversation applies to all teaching areas. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Marissa Thompson. Hello, Marissa Thompson. Welcome to the Embrace the Messy podcast. Thank you, Shannon. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I am super fan of all of your work. And of course, I want to spend lots of time digging into all of your wonderful work. But just before we get started, I just want to say it just feels like such an honor have you here I'm again I'm such a fan like it's Marissa Thompson the queen of the TQE method Marissa I have seen my students grow and blossom using the TQE method which I know we're going to dig into later but I just had to let you know it's just had such an impact you know in a class that's diverse and dynamic I have seen the shyest student or the student feels like they don't belong in that room come out of their shell and they're profound and then I've seen the students who might normally be in say and look at honors class who are now in a mainstream class because we've gotten rid of our honors classes realize how everybody belongs in this room it's just it is so important and I think everyone should be doing it (laughs) so I just had to say thank you very much for providing the world with the TQE method that's a um (laughs) that's one of the most wonderful things I've ever heard anyone say um and so thank you but as you know I the biggest thing to hear is that when when you hear someone talk about their students and how everyone feels welcome and part of that family. Mm-hmm. It is it is a way that we can really provide that environment to yeah. help create that family in an in a much faster way. And so yeah. I love I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. My so, God. So Marissa and I have never actually ever met. This is like the first time face to face. And we're kind of, you know, fangirling a little bit, which is awesome. I feel, you know honored that you you're a fan of me and I'm honored I'm a fan of you and you know I, am. I was waking <laughs> out I was waking out coming on going oh my gosh I'm gonna talk to Shannon and like I I I was trying to explain because no one gets it right like yeah only yeah, yeah. Speakers, right yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. No, you don't understand like I've never met her and I I love her and I follow and her I know and her I, yes and I don't know her but I do now and that's yeah. very, very very fun. It's very oh, fun. Oh, oh, so awesome. Okay. So of course, we, like I said, we're going to get into the TQE method, but let's, first of all, I just want to dig into, to you, Marissa Thompson, the educator, right? 
I'm really fascinated by origin stories. What was your route? Like, how did you get into this business? And then what is your role in education now? So I, I tell this story often, right? Because it's a, it's a question, right? It's something that yeah. especially as, as teachers, we get a lot of like, what made you want to become a teacher? <laughs> um, and for me, I became a teacher twice. So I first realized that I wanted to be a teacher because I had a terrible professor. I had a terrible professor. I got kicked out of class. Um, my senior year in college, I got sent out um, for raising my hand to ask a question. And the, the <laughs> I, it was my third time taking the class because I hated it. Uh, and I was trying to do it, but I had to graduate, right? And so I had, a, I had something I wanted to ask and I put my hand up and he just kind of ran over me, which is fine. Right. Cause he didn't, he just kept going. Right. So I was, mm -hmm. I was interrupting. Right. And so I was like, okay. And so he like took a good breath. So I took a, I put my hand up. I took a second shot and he goes, put your hand down. Okay. I know what you're going to say. It's what everybody says. Every time that I talk about this, put your hand down. And I oh. evidently in that moment was not super interested in that response. Uh, and so I put my hand back up harder yeah. Uh, and he told me I could get going. So driving home, mm -hmm. I, I thought to myself, I, I can see it. I'm driving down this hill from, from San Diego state. And I was like, it shouldn't be that way. No, It's not how it's supposed to be. And that's when I decided I was going to be a teacher, but I didn't. I can do better. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second time was just, I was going to quit. Um, after seven years, it was exhausting. Um, I, I was doing teacher with air quotes, right. I was doing the job. I was doing the role as I thought it needed and had to be done, um, as I had only seen. And, um, instead I, I stayed cause I knew I was going to be having a family. Um, and I was like, man, if I'm going to stay here, I better figure this out. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's when I became a teacher again. And you are primarily an English teacher. I am primarily an English teacher for high school. So nine through 12, I just recently, when, when COVID happened, my path changed drastically. Um, and I didn't intend to leave the classroom ever. Um, but I am now starting my second year um, out of the classroom as a curriculum coordinator, MTSS coordinator, and kind of teacher coach. So I write uh -huh. curriculum in quote unquote, the way that I would want to do it. Um, uh -huh. And I work with teachers and just make stuff up. And it's awesome it's oh awesome. my gosh right so cool. yeah I can neat. I can I can totally see that being your job it's like it's like the dream job you can't really envision maybe while you're teaching but when it unfolds it's like oh, I'm there and then when you're doing it you just feel the energy of doing it right yeah it's so fun and I get to pop in and the teacher's like oh my gosh we had the best discussion today you know and and they're doing such a great job at the writing or they're I'm seeing their skills grow and it's like okay what else could mm -hmm. we do or what how can we make it easier on you but still get that same quality from them um it is so much fun I I got to do half and half my last few years of the classroom right right um, but when COVID hit the the district kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said we need your help organizing the response to this pandemic we don't we need some help. And so mm -hmm. I, I did that as like my, my contribution to trying to deal with the chaos. Um, but mm -hmm. someone was hired in my stead. So, um, when, when that response work was over, I had, I went to the other high school, which is full of some of my favorite people on the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't necessarily get to do everything the way I wanted to, or the way that I used to do it. Um, and this pop opportunity popped up twice. The first time I was like, I can't, I'm a classroom teacher. I have to be here. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then the second time since I, they said, you get to do stuff here. You, the only person that you have to check in with is one person who happened to be my mentor in education. And I was like, wait, like, actually, like, I don't have to go through many levels. So like, no, you come here and you do exactly what you want to do. And I was like, I can't turn that down. Right on. So you're not in the classroom right now. So do you miss being in the classroom or do you feel like you're, you're still teaching, but you're just teaching bigger people? (laughs) Yeah, I, I do miss it. I miss Mm -hmm. it desperately. Um, like if I could go in and just like, what if I just taught this book for the next three weeks? Like, could I just, Mm -hmm. please let me have it. You know, um, I have at times they've, they've given me to a couple kiddos who needed some extra help. Right. Um, and so I stayed with them for a few months and like to help those kids. It does feel that way. So I am working with um, some newer teachers, some kind of mid veteran teachers and some veteran teachers. And we're just killing it. Like, it's just mm-hmm. so much fun. It mm-hmm. does, it do does you- still feel teachery. And then I get to go, yeah, and, yeah. I get to go and do sessions and presentations and PDs. So I still oh, get yeah, yeah. that feeling um, yeah. and that joy. But um, yeah, instead of little light bulbs, you know, from mm-hmm. students in the classroom, I get little light bulbs or like someone will tag me in a post that they're doing some of the stuff and they're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so fun. Well, I, I think what I'm hearing you say too, is like the ripple effect now is just, it's going right across the lake rather than just on the shore, right? Like you're throwing the pebble in and you're inspiring your own students when you're in the classroom, but because you're able to now you know, cast the stone, several stones as in terms of like all these other teachers are able to do the same thing. It's going to have such a broader reach. And that does that, that probably, that must feel just fantastic. It's amazing. And it does feel that way. And I do get to see it. I also still, you know, glance at the student work to see like, is this working? Right. So Mm. I'll, I'll get to interact with students and be like, oh yeah, hey, I read your paragraph. That was really Mm. good. Like I yeah. know you've seen them working on it and I can see, you know, your thesis statements are amazing. So I still pop in. I still am. I would say I'm still student facing on a regular basis. Almost every day I see students, um, but, and I get to interact with them one-on-one, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. Um, but no, it's really fun because all the cool stuff, all that joy from being a teacher where you get to create and you get to try stuff and you get to experiment and like the mess, right? Like, but we love mm-hmm. the best. So when all those things, that's what I get to do and they get to implement it. Mm, right on. Yeah. So in English teachers, you know, if I tell someone I'm an English teacher, the first thing they're thinking about is my marking load. They're like yeah. the piles of marking. And then there are, you know, teachers I work with, you know, eight blocks over the course of the whole year, seven are English, lots of marking. So here's what I did, Marissa. I decided to also become a drama teacher to save my marking load. So I'm okay. I'm like half drama, half English. But you say that even for the educator who does teach the seven blocks, in terms of all this marking, it doesn't have to be this way, that there is a way of reducing the marking load based on the magic of, you know, mm-hmm. partially the, the TQE method. Right. So- how do you explain to someone who walks up to you and says, okay, I've heard about this TQE method. What is it? And why does it reduce the marking load? Because I think that's, that's the carrot that, you know, that's amazing for, for English teachers. Well, that's that, that care. I agree. That's that carrot that 
that intrigues someone enough to listen long enough yeah, and yeah, yeah. To consider trying it. Right. So it it does drastically reduce, reduce the grading or the marking. Right. Um, it's what is it? It is just an order of doing things. It's student inquiry is what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. But we hear that a lot. We hear question generation. We hear student inquiry. Um, I've been told it's notice and note on steroids you know, it's the next, it's the next couple steps of it. Um, I think so often we talk about what are the students doing? What are they engaged in? And so we keep creating and giving them things and then we collect it and bring it back. We feel this massive urge to grade it, to mark it, record it, put in a zero, follow up, do the thing. Parents are calling, like mm-hmm. we've created this monster for ourselves, unfortunately. Right. But the cool thing is since we are the ones that created the monster, we can change things up. Right. Mm-hmm. Or the robot uh, monster makes me feel like we have to kill the sucker. So like <laughs> if we created this machine, right. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. Can, we can take it. So instead the students are still doing and you're assessing and you're walking around and you're supporting and you can hear their discussions. You know that they're getting it. Well, we create quizzes and then we have to create, you know, you have seven class periods. I just like, oh my gosh, but you have seven class periods. So they, they're, they're cheating, right? God love them. They are right. They so are. they're cheating. They're telling each other the questions or they're doing whatever. It's so compliance they're, they're, you know, and they're, and they're aiming for the points and the grades. Right. So they're going to the cheat. We well, made cheat. the game. We you made, made the it game. for them. Right. Yep. So, yep. so they know how to play it. Okay, fine. But it's causing more stress for us and more stress for them. So instead of, Hey, let me create questions for you. And then you answer them. And then I take it and grade it. You're going through a thousand sheets of paper a week or not paper documents, whatever. Yeah. Right. You're going through thousands of things, but I don't know why. Yeah. Because if we can sit there and have a conversation, right. You enjoy going to a book club or you run into somebody or they're, they're, you know, somebody on the planes reading a book, you know, next to you, I'm the plane talker. I'm so sorry. Right. But the, I, somebody there, you're like, you like the book. Okay. Me too. Okay. Good. <laughs> plane talker too. Oh my gosh. The poor person between us would just be, you know, but it, to be able to sit there and go like, you like that book? Yeah. So good. Right. Yeah. I really love how she writes. Yeah. Why? You know, you can have a conversation about a movie, about a book, about a TED talk, about an, a historical event. You don't pass somebody a quiz. You, when you go and you get to pick up a book, it's not like you pick up your packet to go along with it, yeah. right? Where There's a natural joy that comes from taking something in, having some thought about it and having a conversation about it. It's a wonderful shared experience. When we take that shared experience away and we replace it with paper, we've taken a lot of the joy out. Mm-hmm. And we just added in so much work, so much work. Mm-hmm. You got to create it back in the day, right? You had to create it, copy it, cut it, pass it, switch with your partner, grade it, right? Yeah. Now yeah. it's documents or the multiple choice. You're taking the joy out of it. Absolutely. The te- the author did not write it so that you can yeah. make a whole bunch of multiple choice and or seven different versions of it. My God, yeah. the work. We're training the kids to grow accustomed to the paper like this is what i'm finding like i mean i want them to engage in these discussions and things and i I, and you know it actually started off at the beginning of the year you know i'm getting the groans i don't want to talk about it can't i just have a quiz and i'm like 
you know, you, like you said, that we've, we've actually, we have created a monster, right. Right. Or a machine. And with this, we've taught them into feeling like this is the only way to learn. And now we actually have to unteach it. right? Right. We actually have to go through this process of unteaching. Now, TQE stands for thought, <laughs> question, and epiphany, right? Yes, my so, most okay. Common so, <laughs> okay. So I'm, so no, I'm, I'm going to do the legwork for you here. Okay? okay. Because you already know that I'm like a huge fan and I've been doing this actually in my own classroom for a while, um, in my own way, put my own spin on it, which also I appreciate, right? Like we can talk about that later, but th- because, you know, it's not just your way, we can kind of take it and put a spin on it. Right. So the kids read a text they come up with uh, like a lingering thought a question they have or an epiphany but the the trick i'm going to use the word trick here is that they don't just have a thought question or epiphany that can be answered right from the text they're kind of trying to read between the lines one of the examples i use with my kids is i use cinderella because it's just a story that's very common i'll even have grade 11s like cinderella they look at me like seriously couldn't you have used something more modern (laughs) i have to use something simple and i'll i'll and i'll say okay an example of a thought might be did cinderella's father and cinderella ever have a bad point of time in their relationship was it was it ever bad because all we ever hear about is how the relationship between cinderella and her father is is good and then he passes away right? right and it's like was there ever you know like something like that or a question is the stepmother's goal to heighten her own status uh it, via her stepdaughters getting married you know because right. it's never really answered like it's finding that question or that having that epiphany or the thought that can't be answered, but there's almost like a little bit of, I don't know if the word like controversy might be lingering around it, which creates, you know, this conversation, like, right. If it's just like a yes or no answer, then it's like, yes, no, move on. Right. Well, that's why they're bad at discussion initially. Right. It takes, like you said, that mess. My kids bombed when I was coming, I wasn't coming up with this thing, right. It happened naturally, but they, I wanted to do a discussion-based thing and it was Scarlet Letter, which honestly, if you read it as an adult and just read it instead of for quizzes and tests is amazing. It's amazing. Right, right. Yeah. It's yeah. so fascinating, but they, they only know quiz questions. And then we would only have the fun question of like, what do you think? Or what did you find interesting at the end? Um, but even so they're just, they're not used to having a conversation. It, it never we train them with paper. We didn't train them to talk to each other. It takes actual training. It mm-hmm. takes actual training. Yeah. Yeah. It it takes so much patience too. Like what I'm noticing is that in my classes, when I first start with the TQE method, I can, they're great at coming up with the questions. Like I've yeah. got grade eights this week who did TQE for their, their four different lit circle books. And my mind was blown. As yeah. soon as they circled up to talk about them, bleh. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. But then it, that shows me the work that we have to do, right? So what I like is it also gives me this information. I'm going, okay, so now what can we do? Maybe I'll I'll create a text. I'll have a little text or something like that for the whole class. Right. And I'll get the whole class to do TQE. Sure. And then we'll engage in a in a conversation. Or I might pick a few, you know, students and we'll circle up and actually model it, you know, for the class to see what does a conversation look like. 
Right. And that's right. But what you said, and that's the thing, that's the, that's the workload that's missing is you said, I could see it. Yeah. I could see what you saw. You saw reading comprehension. Yeah. You could see it from the questions Mm -hmm. they generated. You don't need to make a quiz, collect it, grade it, score it, put it in the thing. Right. You saw it, right. You knew what they could do well. You Mm -hmm. knew what do we need to practice? That's exactly what that work that, that, we call it the formative work, all that work and all that practice, you observed it. That's my number Mm -hmm. one way of assessing things. You don't need to do the transaction and the paper or the doc and the points. You don't have to do it. They're doing it. But I start with, I start with anything that gets them riled is the wrong word because it's not necessarily negative. Right. But I start with any kind of topic that would make them jump. Sure. Right. And so my first one usually is just adults and teenagers. And it just says adults and teenagers and they go, they start to go off. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, so I get them talking there before I head into books, but your kids, I mean, it's at the point, at the time we're talking, it's early in the year. Mm -hmm. And, and I know it's, this is coming out at, uh, in January, but at the time that we're talking right now, it's early in the year and your kids are already given the opportunity a few times they are having conversations. Imagine mm-hmm. how great they'll be in March. Right. And and I think you touch on something really important. We have to be patient with this process. Sometimes, and I know I've been here, we can be a little, we can be impatient. You know, it's like, well, tried it, didn't work, crash and burn, moving back to the test, right? Yes. We have to be patient. We have to, and like you said, you talked about using formative assessment. That's what guides are teaching. Like, take that information and figure out what can I do? How can I, how can I instruct the kids like you you mentioned so and i will put all this information in the show notes so marissa has created uh, a tqe a course yes. um the the labor of love i'll call it because i'm sure <laughs> yeah. it was like blood sweat and tears and more tears and more blood and more sweat yeah Holy it was almost smokes. a year before. yeah yeah no i believe it yeah. but it's here's the thing when i learned the tqe method i learned it via twitter or now it's X. Oh my God. I can't believe I'm saying that. Whatever you want. Whatever it is. Right. And, (laughs) and I listened to you, like, of course, the one you're the infamous conversation you had on cult of pedagogy. And so I had put my own spin on it going through this course, which is so beautifully laid out. Like you start with the TQE method step-by-step you've got links to documents. Like I, 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 I have learned even so much more. Like I had these moments like, Oh, like some little missing piece that I need to do. But again, I'll say it again, like you go through the method, but then it doesn't, it never feels like Marissa, you're telling people it's my way or the highway. It's like you put your own spin on it. You see how you can make it work for you in your class. Yeah. It's just, it's just awesome. You have to, you have to make it work for yourself. And that's why you know, some people will, yes, I, I tried it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I tried lots of things once, you know, I almost walked yeah. myself down the mountain with a snowboard in my arm, like forget this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, you have to, you have to keep trying. Then that's the only way they're going to get practice. Right? right. So, so give yourself a break, but you know, your kids, you know, your subject area, because it works with any subject, right? You know, right. your kids, you know, your subject area, you know, your text, you know, whether the text is a book or a TED talk or a song or a poem or or nothing and just a, a question that you ask, you know 
so much. You're an expert in these things. You can be an expert in this too. Change it, take it. Uh-huh. It's just, it's make it yours just as much mm-hmm. as you want them to make it theirs, mm-hmm. make it yours. It can so be the, done. You did it. The, yeah. The time, and the time saver is you get to interact with the kids while they're in the process of generating these TQEs yes. then. And, and they're like either annotating a text or they're thinking about the text and they're writing notes. Um, then, you know, they might put their little post-it notes or the questions up on the board and then you can either group off kids and they can have conversations so you can kind of pick your kids that then you want to like assess say their speaking and discussing skills or you can have whole class conversations and then the magic really happens for me is in those conversations I'm either scribbling down little notes about little takeaways that I think will add to say a future writing piece which is what you go into in the course which was like a huge huge Mm -hmm. thing so then we can circle back up and go okay these are the things I noticed what does that sound like that sounds like a thesis statement right Right. that sounds like the opinion with evidence or here's what I heard from one student and I won't say like the name of the students I don't want to embarrass them and this is what I heard from another student which response would work well in this opinion paragraph and why oh well that one would work but they just need an example and that one does work nope because it's already clear it has evidence it's citing you know uh, the responses referencing you know, to the book right yeah, right, right yeah yeah yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. so all of a sudden these little magical things kind of happen that you can kind of come back to and talk to and then one of my favorite questions is i'll actually talk to the kids about why are we doing this how is what we're doing with tqe relevant in the real world okay i, I know i really hate saying the real world but you know outside yeah. of the classroom is what i mean <laughs> yeah right yeah. yeah and kids come up with these wonderful ideas like they, right. they actually talk about like give me a situation when the skills you're using in tqe discussions are going to be beneficial and they'll talk about when i'm in a job interview when i'm you know um working on like my capstone project they'll oh my gosh like when they have to interact with any grown up, right? They're right. 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 Well, and that's the, it, it's, it's practice in make your point, have an opinion, explain it and learn how to have a conversation. Like the, the, the skill of there's, there are all these tech tools for discussion. They, they reach out, which is very nice and wonderful, but it's um how to give all the students a chance. So they all take turns talking and it, there's a skill to having conversation and knowing when to close your mouth and listen mm-hmm. or knowing when to go, you know what, let me add on to that. I know. Uh, sorry. Just one second. I really love what you just said. And then you, you talk being able to engage in a conversation. They don't practice that they mm-hmm. they are told to be quiet for hours every day, hours and not to interact with each other. And, and that, and they don't, and they don't know how to listen. Need. And they don't know how to listen. Like when we're talking about having, like, especially like we're really trying to make sure we have a a more culturally responsive practice. And of course, you know, we're implementing um, in our British Columbia curriculum, like my English course is actually an English first people's course. Every um, student in BC, well, Actually, I'm not 100% sure about 10, but in our district, it, instead of taking English, then they take English First Peoples courses, right? And they have to have a First Peoples, so many credits to graduate. So there's there's history courses, et cetera, which I don't need to get into. Right. But 
but it's, it's wonderful. The, we're headed that way. In, yeah, we're headed that way. They in don't. California as well. yeah. They um, they don't know how to listen, and so we actually talk about you know the power of story when you talk about indigenous ways of knowing, right? I'm like the stories were passed down from generation to generation. And if it was time for story, you sat and you listened to the people who were speaking because that was the way you communicated knowledge. And that's how you communicated, you know, you know, life lessons and important skills. And you, you know, like I know they, they weren't maybe on their phones, of course, and stuff like that, but that's why the phones, we have to practice that. Like that's, the listening is such an important skill, right? Right. Ugh. It is. It is. And it's the only way that you're going to get better at it is to do it. And even my, because I'm a, uh, because I'm a, an, an interrupter in order to be excited about what you're saying. I'm that person, right? Oh, that is, yeah, me too. Yes, you already see, yes, see I'm doing yes. it right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, I know me too. Me too. And it's my way of being excited and acknowledging what you're saying and showing you that I'm listening to you um, and trying to build on the conversation. But it's also that moment where that's a learning moment, which I hate also saying, right? The cliches, but for the for the students who are jumping in, I can go to them and go, hey, I do it too. And that's, it's not interrupting. It's, I mean, it is, but it's not negative interrupting. It's not what I have to say is more important. It's not, that's not what you're intending. Right. Um, it's a, it's your way of trying to X, Y, Z. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, right, right, right. So here's the thing. You've got to let them talk. And they're like, yeah, but I'm just excited. I go, yeah. You know what I do? I actually bite the inside of my lip in meetings or, or in conversation you see what like I'm this. doing right now, Marissa. I know <laughs> listeners can't see, but I'm, right. I'm very aware that Marissa and I are cut from the same cloth <laughs> and this natural excitement in interrupting. I'm literally got my finger on my lips going, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. and mm-hmm. I do too. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm, I'm keeping my <laughs> mouth closed because we could do this for days, right? We're excited <laughs> right. about it. And, and so, but those are those things that they don't know how it'll be received by the person who's trying to get a word in, right? Um, that that they could communicate, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to make it about me. I'm just really excited about what you're saying. For them to have that, that self-awareness and to be mm-hmm. able to communicate it clearly is really important to know that that's who they are and to be able to go, I'm going to need in meetings to be quiet. Thank goodness mine is through Zoom and I can mute myself, right? <laughs> because otherwise I would jump in all the time. Um, but those are small skills that are that are huge for them in work mm-hmm. and in life. One of my one of my favorite <laughs> reviews of TQE, again with my air quotes, is I had a student come in when I was in the classroom and say, I was talking, same thing. Like, why do we do this? Why do we do this TQE practice? And a student raised her hand and said, my dad actually said that I talk differently now. And I said, and, and she told him it's because of our English class. And it's, it's because he goes, you used to just repeat what you wanted. I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. Like just whatever the thing is, the point that's being made, I want to make this point. And they would just repeat themselves. And, and the dad said, now you tell me why. And you give me reasons and you give me examples. And I was like, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. But I love 
that. Like, if you're going to leave my class, I want it to be with that. I don't want it to be with, or that, or the, the ability to, like you said, be able to listen and hear the story of someone else and see their experience in their life. Right. I, I love that. That's what I want for my kid. Not, Hey, you averaged nine out of the 11 quizzes I gave you. Like, you don't get that. That's a different thing. (laughs) Like, and, and I think I have been made aware of by my, by my students that they actually, they really want to learn how to be critical thinkers. I'll tell you a quick story here. So at the beginning of the year, because I am a, I'm like an assessment lead and vote assessment reform as, you know, just like you, which we'll dig into in a a bit here, of course, um, (laughs) At the start of the year, I asked my kids, what does school expect from you and what do you expect from school? And I had a group, my grade 10s. That's a dangerous. I, I had, oh, you, oh, it's awesome. Oh my gosh. Oh, it just gets them. So in, in a way, it's almost like kind of sort of harnessing the whole, almost the TQE method right there, right? Like in, in a different kind of question. But it was when the students said, we are being trained to be workers and not thinkers. Right. They are. And I I stood there and I stared and they were like, oh my God, are we in trouble? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> no. I said, I think I just felt my heart break. Yeah. I said, I felt, I actually felt a little emotional, you know, when I said that. And I said, that that makes me so sad that you, that you feel that way. And what was really beautiful in a way though is now I keep coming back to that comment see someone was very vulnerable to make the comment and then there was a sea of nods yep 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 wash rinse repeat that's what we're being trained to do and now I keep coming back to that now like it, it with anything that we're doing that involves critical thinking it's like I want you to think back to remember the first day when we talked about what does school expect for you from you? What do you expect from school? And someone said that, you know, we're workers and, it, and not thinkers. And I'm like, think of all the thinking that you're going to be able to do, right? Right. And you get that becomes a habit. Being able to have a conversation becomes a habit. Wanting it, no, noticing the joy of it. So I would pause and go, look at all of you smiling. Look at the connection that you feel. Notice it, right? It's it's coming from you having mm-hmm. these conversations. The hard part for me with that, Shannon. Is, well, all of that is hard, but hard for my teacher heart, right? <laughs> Teachers aren't trying to do that. They're just yeah. repeating what it is that they saw. Exactly. We hear yes. that there's another way. Yes. Oh, there's a better yes. way. Or you hear these, you know, God love them, these speakers who are like, make the kids do the work. And you're like, uh-huh. You have any idea how much I give them, right? Or, you know, make it engaging, you know, make it life skills. And you're like, great. How? How? Yeah. How do you want me to? What's your teacher? Why? I want my students to be able to. Of course, I want these things for my students. All the teachers do, and but they're trapped when yes. they don't have to be. So yeah. And because how I, do you I how do you convince it. how do you convince educators oh, yes, yes. that the messiness of change is worth their time? Yes. Okay. So that's actually a fascinating question. Okay, because you've got three. Well, one, two, three, four different people you've got to convince. Right. Yeah. But the only way you're going to convince them is through story, right? Because, yes. and, or having them come see it or being preemptive, right? Being proactive. So, first person you got to convince is yourself that you're willing to try it and that you're willing to, to allow it to be messy. 
if you take the course or if you search the hashtag TQE, you're going to see teachers are making this work. It works, right? It's not that I say it works and we just hope, right? Like I, it's happening everywhere. It's literally happening globally. It works. It works in different subjects. I've seen it go from kindergarten. I actually went in and did one kindergarten through grad school. And it's so fun. Um, I've seen it also in PD. So it does work. Okay, fine. So we set that aside. You'll have to get the kids to do it. Right. I wouldn't tout it as this like gradeless thing that we won't get points for. Like, don't, you don't have to just have the conversation, do the thing. Right. Um, I do talk to my parents. That's the other thing, right? Families, the supporters, because they're trained in the same system that you're trained in. And so they're going to see things differently, right? So instead, I I talk to the parents at back to school night. I give them some articles about, so instead of back to school night being here, my late work policies and what we're reading, and they can figure that all out. I spend it on, I'm going to be practicing life skills in here. I'm still going to do the content, still going to do all the things like, yes, 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 yes. I want you to know I'm going to be practicing life skills in here. And it's really important. And I give them some articles if they want it. Right. So that's, I do that. The hard part is honestly the colleagues. And I mean Mm -hmm. that with the biggest heart. Okay. Because there's fear in you're doing something different. And so that means either the kids are going to like it and they're going to complain about my class or the parents are going to complain about my class or you're deviating from the agreed upon plan. Okay. So it's, it's that. Um, so that's why I go to the, I pitch, I used to pitch to my admin one. Well, originally I used to just close my door and like, screw it. I'm just going to teach what I want. Right. Um, but it's, it's, um, helpful. If you close your door, you get data, you get, uh, observational data, you get stories, you get kids talking about that. This is better. You get the, um, depends on what you call uh, an IEP teacher or a research teacher, a special ed teacher going, my kid is doing better in your class. You get all of those things, which makes Mm -hmm. it easier. The colleagues then ask what you're doing, right? What are you doing? The kids are doing better. The resource teacher or the sped teacher said that things are getting easier for their kid. I heard that whatever, you know, admin comes in, they see engagement. They might say like, Hey, would you share this at a staff meeting? Or like, this was really great. Or if you can get the talking happening instead of hoping or, or having admin require that all the colleagues have to be on board and all try it together. You can't do that. The, the amount of convincing that would take without trying it, without the stories, without the evidence, without the data, that is, mm-hmm. um, that is Sisyphean. That mm-hmm. is not, that is not the way to go. Play with it, close your door, do a discussion, do left and right annotations, have the TQE thing go down, have a reflection. Reflection is going to give you data as well. Students will say, I like this better than a quiz, or I learned a lot from my partner. Ask those questions. Um, ask the question of why are we doing this? How will this help you in life? When you collect that information, it is so much easier to share it, but you got to try it. You probably have to try it. What do you think, Shannon? Three, four times? Oh, at least that. Yeah. 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 You know, but try it. Okay, fine. You got to try it three, four times, do a reflection assignment where they're, where they're talking about or 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 recording their reflections about how this is relevant to their lives and critical thinking and not transactional, 
and, and you will be off and running. Mm-hmm. But the hard part, the hardest part for me was honestly, and this, heaven forbid if they listen, was fear of the colleagues saying that it was too different, uh, that it would be shut down. Yeah. But yeah. the students were in typically almost 100% all the time. The parents were in typically almost 100% all the time. Admin was in almost 100% of the time. It was disruption of the status quo. Among mm-hmm. That was the hardest yeah. part to navigate. I, 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 I totally agree with you. At the beginning of the year, especially with regards to uh, my values and how I assess, that's actually my opening thing. Like, I don't even worry about, I don't even print off a syllabus. Like it's like, it's, it's like a waste of paper for me. I'll send home the first email and I will say, I just want to let you know that these are the things that I value. And the top of my list is the word messiness. Ironically, right? That's why this is the Embrace the Messy podcast. Yes. And that kids are going to make mistakes and that there is a a need to have ungraded practice in order for them to learn. And I share with parents, I said, I, and I usually, and I always start with this, like I say, I know you will agree that. (laughs) Assume the sale. (laughs) Learning that learning takes time and that, and I will honor the growth your child shows me over time so that they can become risk takers, which is another one of my values. We want them to have a growth mindset and they will try and know that if I stumble and fall on my face, I'll be able to pick myself back up and I won't be dinged for the journey taking me a little bit longer. And I have never had a parent push back on me because it's, it actually makes sense. Like a kid will do something in class and they're learning how to do it. If they're working on that exact same skill in EC, we have what are called curricular competencies. If it takes them a month to get their, you find their legs and they're like emerging like level one for that month and they bump up to developing. And then they show me they're developing again, which is level two. Then it's report card time. They're level two. Yes, they are. I don't care if they had four emergings, right. but if I averaged it in in my old form of a grade book, they would be emerging. They would be yep. level one. Yep. And I'm like, that's BS to me. It's I mean, BS to everybody, right? And, yes. and and here's the hilarious thing, Marissa. This system is not novel. It's actually not new. This right. is standards based grading proper, right. and it's been around for like twenty years. Well, it's been a call. It's been the collegiate way. Right. You get all the way until your midterm before you get a grade, quote unquote. Right. Same thing. You get you get the final is where you get your grade because you've had the entire semester to learn it. The fear comes from the okay, but what if they bomb the final? Well, my friend, I am here like they literally brought me to you to help you learn this stuff. Okay, I'm not going to let you fail at the very end and be like, meh, you failed. I have all of this evidence right? I have all of your, your, your work and your practice and experience and your reflections and, and the observations and, and all the things that we've done. I have so many things to go off of. There is zero chance I'm going to grade you on one thing at the very end of this, of this semester, you're going to practice and, and get better and better. And so will your grade. Yeah. I think then the other thing that needs to change is 
less focus on the product being the only way of showing learning, right? right? Like, I think maybe that's where universities have to kind of maybe have another look. But I mean, everything, everything in time, it's this, when we talk about, again, like being culturally responsive, it's this idea of that, you know, the triangulation of assessment, right? Conversations, products, and... I know I watched you. I'm do having it a moment. You, you can see the hamster just went right off the wheel. That's right. Because you're not a, not the only conversations, <laughs> products, and observations. Sorry, yes. I just had you heard it here first, folks. Yes. Shannon had this is what I call to my tell my students when I'm in class, and I do the same thing. I call it a brain fart. That's right. <laughs> like, those are messy brain too. Fart. But each one, not one is more is better than another. Each Ooh, one I don't know. is valid. Ooh, oh. Man, my my initial reaction was like, yes. And then I went, wait, is it? I I don't, I. Where does, I think the question is then, this is an interesting conversation because yeah. where does the idea of say a product being the only way to show, provide evidence of learning, where does that come from? And I think. I don't know where, where is, it is. I don't know where it comes from, but. That's the one that it's I think historical. Is right. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, I think the discussion is everything. I mean, if we're talking Socrates yeah. and everything else, right? And, and we're, it was all discussion. Yeah. It was so all I get, like, yeah. I guess where I'm coming from that, oh, that's not actually where I thought you were going to go with that. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> no, here's the thing. I, I, I think we're actually, I think we are on the same page. I think there's like, yeah. different ways to show learning. Like yeah. as soon as we sort of offer up voice and choice or, what about, you know, you've got that student who takes a little longer to start participating in these conversations, these discussions in class with TQE, right. might have an amazing one-on-one conversation with you, or in their reflection, they show that they do have comprehension. Like if we only use discussions, right, that might be also a problem, Correct. right? Yes. You have to yes. have multiple ways. So it's like, if I... While eventually I want discussions to be the only way I'm going to like find out where you are and, and, and how you're doing okay. on the road to that, if I do see it in your reflection, if I do it, do see it in your more intimate conversations with one other student in your reflections um, or like what I like to do are these little Sesame Street comprehension kind of exercises where they're given four things from the reading and they have to see which three go together and which one is the outlier. It's okay. it's awesome. It's awesome. awesome. It. Actually, it's yeah. super quick to, to assess, even though it is writing. Right. Yeah. Um, but we can't get rid of all the marking. I mean, I mean, there's no. always going to be a little bit and, yeah. it, and it's beautiful. And then we can see that those kids that are taking a lot longer to start participating in the discussions. OK, but they do know what they're doing. Yes. So I can then communicate with home that that's where I'm going to put more weight. But do you know what I mean? Like, am I making yeah. sense? Like, do you no, know what you're I mean? making complete sense. Like, I, think I, think we're, I think we're on the same page. I think, I think we are too. I think I we think... are too, but I think it's a rethinking of what a product is. Yes. Because right now the product is yes. the document and the points or whatever. Or but the, the text is always the be, test. Yeah. The product could be a, a behavior within the classroom itself, yes. uh, a part of the discussion or um, a reflection that kiddo is talking differently to dad. That's an yeah. assessment right there. Dad says yeah, I yes. differently that I used to do this, this, and this. There's an understanding of what the goal is, yes. what the learning is, what I'm trying to get better at, the skill, and the fact that's a that's a product too. 
Yes. It may not, ha- it may not yeah. be a document. It may not be in your yeah. Google Drive. That's and, a and sometimes in these conversations too, kids have this great idea and then they have like what I just did, a brain fart. But right. then when they get to the reflection, like, and I'm just like, all of a sudden it comes back to them, right? right. Boom. There they go with the written reflection and there they did it. Woo! They showed right. it. All right? right. And I'm going to honor that just as much as the kid who said it out loud. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's just different paths, different products, a rethinking of the word product perhaps. But to me, it's the, you're hitting it, right? It's the experience, the learning within the experience that I value. I think that's fascinating. And then the deli- the deliberate practice of reflecting and acknowledging what you learned. I, I That's that's where I think I wasn't, I wasn't succeeding my first few years. They knew the book, right? They could tell you the characters. They could tell you the maybe author <laughs> you try, man, yeah. you know, that's but all content too, right? It's that's... all content, but, but instead it's, it's now, I know what skills I'm good at. I know which ones I'm practicing. I know I've grown. Um, I appreciate the people around me. I know that they appreciate me mm. um, and, 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 and my, my contributions to this little biome, this little world that we've created in this little room, you know, and I just think it's, that's the important stuff to me. Yeah. I, I, and man, if I could, everybody gets an A. And honestly, if you grade the way that we do, mm-hmm. that can happen and you can have really, really high grades. Oh, really high scores. And the test scores come because test scores Mm -hmm. ask for your information, your understanding, your analysis of it. We're just practicing it. We're practicing so much of it verbally, right? Because that little cursor or the blank page is really scary. But if you can practice it verbally and you can, you can like, you know, yes, that that would be a great topic sentence. Yes, that would be the perfect one for evidence. What about that one? Nah, not so much because if, if you can practice those things verbally, you're on a roll and you'll know it'll exactly come out in the writing. It'll come yeah, out course. in the writing. That's okay. That you just brought up something that I, I want to, I want to double tap on here. Yeah. It's we, I hear from educators. I need to give tests because in life there are tests. And I so, right. Okay. Okay. So, yes, or, okay. Or there are exams or, you know, Sure. What, do you, what do you have? What are the big exams you have like in, in the States there? That yeah, SAT. College, SAT, you know, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. My son's in law school, Marissa. Okay. So I remember the whole LSCT kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my God. So, and, and I'm trying to explain to them though, if we are working, I'm going to devote more time to the critical thinking skills that they need. Use that in their writing in class you will see the results then when they have to write the exam. But I refuse to give exams over and over again, just because there's an exam at the end of the year. Yeah, I do too. I, I And you're right. Those exams are heavy writing based. Yeah. It's You have to be able to make a point and explain it. Um, the, the other thing and that high, I- And is, high stakes. And high oh, stakes. Yeah. And you better be yeah. able to do it. Not yeah. you don't have weeks. You yeah. have this let's let's, let's keep let's keep making them uncomfortable in class with more high stakes testing right. in class, so they're ready for a high stakes high stakes. Exactly. Final, let's right? make like, it as miserable like, as possible. 
The, right? um, oh my gosh. And the other side of that is that I say is that's okay. They're taking lots of tests and other subjects. I promise. I promise. But in yeah. my class, that's not what we're going to be doing. Yeah. I haven't given yeah. a test in, I didn't give a test. Oh gosh. In the last like 10 years of my classroom, like I didn't give mm-hmm. a test. There were times I gave quizzes because it was like knowing the vocabulary mm-hmm. of devices. I would give one but they sure. can retake it as many times as they wanted. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I like doing, I give what I give what are called, I'll do unquizzing. Okay. Which is ungraded practice quizzing yeah. with the same mindset as like with standards based grading. It's the same mindset that. Yes. This is practice and you're grading your own work and, and that kind of thing so that, you know, and then I keep, um, I get it from this book and, and then the authors, it escapes me. It's called powerful teaching. And it's this idea of, you know, that the, the, the ungraded practice, and then you can bring in over time, some of the old now with some of the new, and it just keeps reinforcing that, yeah, that content back. based. Yeah. 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 It keeps circling back. Right. So, but that's, that's going off another tangent. I got a question for you. Where did, yes. where did your assessment savviness like where'd it come from like like you know every teacher has a story behind when they 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 turned the corner uh some for some it was this one moment for other educators like me it was someone told me and I went whoa that's cool right and then I started reflecting on my own practice and realize oh snap I need to make some changes right and 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 other teachers they hated the way the assessment system was driving and they literally just wanted to quit. And then, so they decided to make a change. What's your story? Like, where did the assessment piece come from? That's a really good question. I, I would say that there probably were moments. Um, I can see the kid, like I can see them and we just finished the book. Um, and I couldn't, I like, I sat there kind of doing this. So that itchiness of like, Oh, do I say it? Do I not? Do I like, this is a, a departure, right? from the status quo and do we do it or not? And I was like, Hey, if, what if we just didn't take the test and you see all the kids like, what? Cause it's the end of a novel. We take a test, right. Yep, and yep. They, 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 their heads whip. Right. And I'm like, just, 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 just hear me out. Okay. Cause we've talked about the book. I know that you have a strong response to the book. Kids were crying, right? They love the character. I'm like, the only reason I give you the test is to find out if you know the book, but you know the book. So could we just not take the test? And they're like, um, yeah. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, I just can't ruin it. Like I can't ruin it and have it be that you were crying over this character. And we talked about the beauty of how much emotion can come from literature, literally words on a page that came from an author's idea of world that they created. And you're having this massive emotional response and and we've talked about what you'll take with you from this text, which is exactly what the author wanted. And now I'm going to give you a, a multiple choice test and you're going to get a C on it because you don't remember exactly my unfair question of, of this yeah. one moment. And it, for me, there was the unfairness that mm-hmm. the kids that I knew, knew that book, um, but didn't know my question, right? In that moment, um, that felt unfair to me. The the realization that I knew it already without giving that test. I knew they knew that book um, based on our conversation. That was it. Um, but just the number of tears that kiddos shed. And it sounds so 
ridiculous, but I mean, it's true, right? Our it's kids so true for their grades and they're punished by their parents and all that. I'm like, this is one, it's unfair Two, I know you already know it. And three, I'm going to turn it into this thing. And you're a bad test taker. Like, what am I, this is a joke yeah. or, yeah. or you, you know, I would slide my whiteboard. I had shelving behind my whiteboard. There were piles of ungraded crap back there. Mm-hmm. piles of it at the end of the year and I used to compare it with my teacher bestie like how big our piles were um and it's like this is this is a game this is stupid yeah. and uh yeah. and none of those if those had been scored and inputted their grades by then always end up kind of the same if you're still playing the points game mm-hmm. you know they end up around where they are normally um and it's just it's just an amount of work for me an amount of work for them and without the benefits that I'm looking for mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's that's a lot you know, of no that's no no <laughs> that but it just brings up like I wrote a blog post a while back called the love language of professional judgment and I think and I literally view it that way it's I'm I think by ditching the algorithm, which is going to puke up whatever percentage for the kid based on an average, based on the mean, I'm actually taking back my professional judgment, which honors the kid and honors the growth and accepts different ways of showing their learning. And, and, and now because in BC, we're, we have this new reporting order and, you know, I'm in the assessment lead and we're trying, I'm trying to coach teachers to become standards-based grader. My hope is here within the next few years, we actually see more teachers realizing that they do have this wonderful opportunity. And then we have to let go of, you know, like the quantity of work that we're so used to driving and drilling into students. And it's, it's about the quality, you know, we have students who come into our class and they're, they're, it's so much trauma there is they're not eating breakfast they're you know oh some of the stories are just heart-wrenching yeah and and those are the only the ones you know that's the only ones you know and but and here's the thing i'm not excusing of course i want kids to do every learning opportunity because with every learning opportunity i can give them real-time feedback in class and they're going to improve but i can also go the day that you know, grandpa, your grandpa passed away and that whole week, which was a shit show, part of my language, yeah, pod squad, but yeah. it's, I can go, don't worry about that one. I've got four other pieces of evidence. I know where you're at. Yes. Yeah. That's not a zero. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And, and otherwise it's, it's this, it becomes a vicious cycle. Like they, they're just overwhelmed by the amount of work they have to catch up on. And then, right. you know what else, Marissa, when they have tons of work that they have to catch up on, then guess what gets handed in? Crap. Yeah. Right. Well, because just it's just about the speed it. in which they have to do it. Right. Ugh, well, now it's AI, know. right? So, and that's, now with AI, I'm worried about AI. I'm worried about AI. Dude, I'm not. I'm not. Me neither. Oh, I'm bit. Because I, I'm having the discussion with the kid. Yeah. We watched it. We read it. We, we talked about it. I know that you get it. I'm giving you time to write it. Let's practice it together. We can still use tech, no problem, but it's authentic. I know it is. I'm looking at you. We're having mm-hmm. this conversation. Yeah. That's as authentic AI, as you can get. AI is, about it. AI is, is a game changer for me. It's, it's actually, you know, we're very inclusive in our classrooms. So if I'm teaching like socials eight, cause I teach humanities eight and I've got a student who, you know, 
is a student that might normally be doing their work in a resource room with the resource teacher, and I'm now trying to integrate them into the class, they can work on the exact same curricular competency skill um, with their own replacement goal. And I can give them, you know, a, a text thanks to AI about Charlemagne or whatever we're looking at or the Renaissance that they can read at their level and participate in conversations with their peers. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Inclusion, right? Inclusion, yeah. right? Well, that's, and that's, so it's, it's beautiful, yeah. right? It's embedded in the conversation. As soon as you are making up questions. Now you have to, okay, but how are you going to differentiate that for these guys? How are you going to differentiate it for those guys? What about the considerations of these people? If it's, here is information, you tell me what you think. It's automatically differentiated. Yeah. It's coming from them. Yeah. It's coming from them and their ability. We can help stretch it a little bit. And that's where the teacher comes in and does some guiding of it, you know, but it's possible and it's possible to assess that way. It's embedded in the process. And that's when I go to do PDs, like I, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. I get to go do all day. Right. And usually to do all my stuff, it takes like three or four days. Right. But I'll do day one, I'll do TQE and just kind of blow up the concept of grading and feedback and those things. But when I do TQE with them, I do it with my favorite article to play with, which is half the size, twice the man by Rick Riley, sports illustrator. Mm, Right, right, right. So good. And, mm-hmm. and I do it with them and we do it and they're like, yeah, this is really great. And I'm like, yeah. And can you see how it goes into writing and how I did this? Yes. Great. And can you see, you know, how this would be engagement for your kids? Yes. Can you see where the differentiate is? Yes. And I go, great. How did I assess you? And you can hear the, like, you didn't collect anything. It's like, right. I mean, I can, I can take orientations. I could take, you know, different things. I go, but was I, how many of you do you think I could assess today? And they're like, probably more than half. I'm like, right. Amazing. I'll take it. What could I assess you on? Reading comprehension? Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know you got it. Right. Author's purpose? Yep. Thesis statements, if I wanted to, because we just played with that. Right. How about symbolism? What about motif? Lots of motif in there, you know? And and they're going, God, I don't have to, I don't have to keep playing the game. But until they see it or until they see somebody else who has done it to hear those reflections, to hear those twists, to hear like, okay, but what happens in the moment when, and it's like, until that occurs, it's daunting. It's daunting. Mm -hmm. But that's why I know I can't get to all the places. I know it's hard to take it from whatever Twitter's called and, and Instagram (laughs) and, and cult of pedagogy, you hear it. And it's like, right. But I mean, like how, how, like how, Yeah. You know, and that's, that's when I was, I said, okay, if, if I'm going to do this, what if I just went and recorded my PD day? So that's my PD day one. That's basically just recorded and turned into a, turned into a course. But that, then what happens when this happens? What happens if a kid says that? What do I do for my colleague? Who's worried about whatever, how do, what could I possibly collect? Because my district says I have to put in two scores a week. What happens when, you know, all those things get answered in there. Otherwise it's, it can be scary, but Mm -hmm. it's worth it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so worth it. And I will say again, listeners, you know, you can go to Marissa's website and I'll put the, uh, the link in the show notes, unlimitedteacher.com. I think I got that right. Right. Uh, And I know you are on Twitter and I know you're on, are you on Instagram too? 
on Instagram and uh, mostly yeah. on yeah Instagram now Twitter got funky for a minute there right. and it so, is it's yeah. still it's kind of weird with the algorithm right it's harder to reach people I find yeah are you ready for the elevator pitch so what's you know, the elevator this pitch? worst thing this is my worst thing people have told me they're like so yeah you're gonna need to figure this out I can see <laughs> the woman telling me like you need to figure this out Okay. I am ready. Okay. 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 So elevator pitch listeners. This is what I do with all of my guests. So here's the situation, Marissa, someone's (laughs) getting on the elevator. You're on say floor number five and they press eight. So you've got three floors to try to inspire them. Here it is. So you have three floors to pitch the use of TQE to an English teacher overwhelmed with their workload. What do you say to them that might just encourage them to explore the idea further? So you're not trying to solve the world's problems in three floors, Mirza. Just like, how would you sprinkle a little fairy dust? Okay. So I thought about it. I took notes. Good. Nice. I, I like to say that it's the how for all those whys, those teacher whys, it's the how, like it actually is how. And you can use it with anything. You could use it with anything and any subject in any class. And you won't have to worry about grading. And you won't have to worry about elaborate planning. And you don't have to worry about AI. And you just get to go in and have get to have the time with your kids and just enjoy them. That's it. It's amazing. That's awesome. It's easy. Oh, Marissa. It's easy. Marissa Thompson, I could talk to you like all day. We should. <laughs> we, we should, should. more regularly now that we've we done should, this. We should. We gotta. We should collaborate on something. We should. Let's, let's, we we should. should. I think. I think we should. We should. Okay. We should. Okay, we're gonna. We will. Each. We will. Let's just say that. Yeah, we, no. we will. We I'm will. No, you are. You're just, you're a joy. You are inspiring. You're leading the way. You, like I said, you inspire me. You're going to continue to inspire people. Like I said, the ripple effect, you know, in the lake, you know, Thank keep you. doing what you're doing. Thank you. Sometimes feel, it's a lot. I feel like, I feel like I've known you for years. No, doesn't it? Like an assessment, another one of my assessments, soul sisters. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate everything that you're doing and I appreciate you making that lake maybe a little bit bigger. So thank you, Shannon. I hope, I hope your listeners are are willing to, to give it a shot. Thank you for this. I'm honored to have produced this and all episodes of the Embrace the Messy podcast with Shannon Schinkel on the traditional ancestral and unceded lands of the Clay Lake Tanae First Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and share it with a colleague or friend. Doing so will help others find the podcast. Know someone who embraces the messy and would make a great guest on the pod? Email me at embracethemessypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.